How about yes? Hey, everybody! <laughs> Welcome to the Chris and Neil Show, our podcast. Where, as you can probably tell, we've already been laughing a little bit before you joined us. Uh, today, but we're going to get to know Mark yeah. Gerard, uh, an angel investor, a REIT investor, um, a, a yoga master extraordinaire. <laughs> Who actually just has a pretty great lens on, on going deep on any kind of investment, whether it be public or private um, or in partnership. Um, had a bunch of success yeah. in pretty much everything he's touched. And today he's going to join us to share a little bit of his insights about maybe some of the crossovers um, between yeah, those things. Good. So, Hi, so, Neil. <laughs> hey, Mark. Mark, we're so glad to have you here, really. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, fantastic. And Neil forgot to mention your investment in movies and healthcare, which the latter part of that is really one of the great reasons I'm so happy to have you on this call with us. Because they're all so laughable, movies and healthcare? <laughs> well, yeah, they're all, they're all connection points. Yeah, they're therapeutic. They're all connection points to the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, where should we start today, Chris? Well, tell us a little bit about your, your background. How did you become an angel investor? That's not a calling most people respond to. Do you just find know, yourself or... waking up on a pile of money? Like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You, 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 one, day, one day you sit around and you go, like, how did I, how did I get here, right? You know, so, um, well, for me, it just sort of evolved. I, would, I worked... Uh, and doing M&A transaction work for a couple of big companies and also worked for a large REIT and they were, you know, had raised a lot of money. And, and, uh, for me that, that started kind of a journey that, that began. And then I always was doing finance and modeling and analysis and all this kind of stuff around companies. And then, and then the first deal I worked on, uh, was really a divestiture, a selling of a subsidiary in England. And it was just, it, it was so intense and we, I flew over there. I think I, I didn't really live there, but I stayed there for about uh, a week and then back in the U.S. a week and then back in England a week and back in the U.S. a week and then back to close it. And I thought, wow, this is great. <laughs> Let's do this again. And, uh, but the, the challenging thing, I think, when you, when you work inside like a corporate development type department, you know, it depends how many deals you actually do per year. So, uh, so I, you know, that kind of gave me a taste of really what, deal work was and just at least from that standpoint and then and then began to really look at you know so many different industries and i was looking at different investments and and things like that and so so my life after that evolved and then i did uh then i went after i moved to seattle i worked with a, a smaller wealth management firm and we were doing um M&A transaction work for a lot of smaller, lower middle market companies, and also uh, formal business valuation work. So I was doing that, and then also at the same time, people started sending me more and more and more deals. And so that was really how I started to really start to hone a lot of this. I mean, I was already had a core background in finance and 
worked heavily in in many different areas and facets and um, you know, how do we answer this question how do we answer that question and then it got it just got more and more and more and then one day you know I wake up and then I say you know people are calling me with the weirder and weirder questions and weirder and weirder your deals and I, I say how did I get into this <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was like, how do I, you know, and then you go to a cocktail party and it's like, well, I'm an investor. And then they're like, okay, well, and then you know, everybody wants to pitch you your idea and how, how can we do this? And, and, and so one part of it, I think is very exciting. I think it's very fun. And then, uh, and I love talking about it and that, um, at the same time, I think there's a lot of bad stuff to invest in as well. And so I think uh, you have coaster. to be careful what that you got pitched what's on. That? The customized coaster that you got pitched on at a cocktail party. <laughs> Because of, yeah right it's a uh, well you just I think I think it's the kind of thing it's very interesting I had a, a friend that had was a, a director in Hollywood and and I remember asking him oh that must be really fun that must be exciting being a you know director in in Hollywood and he said he said well you know it's the kind of industry that like everybody thinks they're an actor <laughs> you know like you're you're your friends, uh, you know, wife's uh, sister, and it's just like, oh, let me, let me, let me act for you, right? Let me, you know, you're a, you're just eating dinner, and I think, and I think as venture investing has become popular and known, and you know, people, ha everybody has an idea, and I think it's really great about it, and that it's, it's really to me one of the, the the ways you can most tangibly see what you can create come out into the world, and it's it's really exciting in that way. But at the same time, there's just a lot of stuff out there that people aren't really thinking through and don't really know how to effectively do it. And so, so there's, that's where I think the great learning is. And, and so I've spent a lot of time both on the client side and on the investment side. And, and, um, and so I'm always looking at, okay, how did, how did this apply? And, you know, I've seen 30 of these and why did this work? And, you know, why does yours, why is yours any better? And so, for me, it's really a journey, I think, um, and you go through and you're learning, you know, every time you do it, you know. Well, and I know you helped sell a few businesses too. How, how does that, how did that impact your entering the angel investment market? Yeah, so it's it, it, knowing how to sell something, right, is uh, I think is, is critical, to, critical to this because I think a lot of people get involved in angel investing and they really don't know what what creates an exit and why somebody comes to the table and says I want to buy your business right so 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 getting involved in that and just the process of selling something of creating something valuable that someone says okay I want to buy it and that part of the deal negotiation to say let's have a really honest open conversation around value and how we're going to do this and why we why we're acquiring you and how is that going to get to where where we think we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go with your business because I think a lot of people get involved in, in starting a deal and they say, wow, this is something I'm really passionate about. But at the end of the day, it's it's just how you create an exit if you're if you're attracting investment dollars from other people. So, um, so that really that really impacted me a lot. And I, and I have those three lenses I'm looking at. Okay, what's value? What is a transaction? And then what is investment? Right. And so I think they're there's sometimes overlap, but they're not necessarily the same thing. So every time I'm, I'm looking at it, it's like you have to look at it from these different perspectives. And, and some it may say yes, and some it may say no, and some it may never make sense. And so, so uh, for me, 
starting off as I never thought, okay, oh, I'm an angel investor. I thought right. I, I'm an investor and I'm looking for good opportunities in the capital in the capital markets and, and this to me in the smaller lower middle market is the last and correlated asset class. So I'm looking at it and saying, how do we how do we drive more of the engine of the economy in this? And so uh, so I come to it with a little bit different attitude as far as most people that enter into this, right? And so it's um it's really it's fun, but it's there's so much you gotta do and so much you gotta think about and so much of a network you have to build to not only do that, but also to understand why it works and why it doesn't work, right? So so makes that's sense. Kind of a Yeah, well yeah, that's yeah. kind of a you know, broad view, right? So you can, you know, we could dive into each one of these areas, right? And so that's why I find when somebody sends me a deal, I, I'm always like, okay, do I really want to you know, dive into this right now? Well, no, so <laughs> because, that, that, this is yeah. kind of an interesting question to kind of lead into some of that. Like a, a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, significant investor in the Bay Area named Barney Pell, uh, had once suggested to me that if you know the three questions to ask in any industry, you can get to an understanding, an 80% understanding of near any industry very quickly, right? And then mm-hmm. you can dive down a little deeper than that. So mm-hmm. what kind of, you know, is what's the commonality in some of the questions you start with, you know, when you're looking at a movie and when you're looking at a medical device? <laughs> you know, I was trying, I've been trying to put that together in my mind. <laughs> a little yeah. lost it, no, with it's, how it's, it works. It's, it's it a good question well because it's, Sorry, what's that? Well, no, it seems to work well for you. So I, was, I just, I, you know, I couldn't imagine myself investing in movies. Um, and here you are, very comfortable and doing well at mm-hmm. most every one of your investments. So what, you know, how does that start for you? Yeah, so uh, I think first first what he said, I think is absolutely accurate. And that's, and that's what are the, and that's the thing I'm always asking myself, like, what are the three things that this, company, this venture, this project, these people have to do that if they do and do well, they'll succeed. But if they don't do, they will fail at it. And so I think I'm always trying to answer that and in, in any deal that I get involved in. And it's, and sometimes it's very apparent and sometimes it's not right. Sometimes it's, you know, it's like, okay, what's really drives, drives all of this. And I think for that, I'll have to come back to really the value perspective. So spending time in formal valuation really helped me with that. So so we would value lots of different kinds of businesses from technology to consumer goods to um, spent less time on the film side. But then to me, looking at every every project, it's sort of like cash comes in. How does cash come out and what drives that cash? And I'm willing to probably take a risk in certain areas that others wouldn't take a risk just to learn, right? And I learned that from one company I, I worked uh, for. They were they were really good at raising money, and they would they kind of fail a little bit at certain things. And I think Amazon does that well, and even though people don't always see that Amazon's doing that, that they'll say, okay, let's try this market. We'll be willing to test out this market and say, hey, if it didn't work, we're going to go do, you know, you know, do something else that works, right? And so... I think it's really important to to be willing to fail, and I think it's also really important to uh, be willing to look at things in new ways. And so it gives me a very interesting perspective. Surprisingly, 
interesting perspective when I go look at a deal because I'll see, okay, this worked in that industry, your sales channels, and this didn't work in this industry, and why? Why, 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 why? And I think a lot of people come to a deal with sort of, I've had these experiences and these things, and that's always applies or doesn't apply. And, and I'm willing to say, I, I don't know what applies, and I'd rather find out. And this is how I do it, right? I say, let me, let me learn. And I think, I think a big thing is to have the right people, right? You need, you need good people in any industry. You need people that understand the industry well. But you can change an industry if you're not thinking like that industry. So yeah. I think that's a big, a big point to make in terms of how deals start, how deals come together. And, and sometimes you get this element with this, and then it, it can create something new and something you know, better, right? So it's... Um, so that's that's really a, how I approach it. I think and it's it's different than most people because again, most of them say, "Okay, I'm going to stay in this area." And so when people come to me, like, "What are these key areas that you look at?" And I like looking at a lot of things, but I think sometimes it's hard to effectively do all those things. That sometimes I have to make a choice and say, "Okay, how many of these four or five that I'll, I'll be really involved in?" And then you got to focus, right? But um, on the front end, I might say, hey, I trust you. I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing in this industry. I might not know it as well, but I can see the pathway to exit, and I can see how the dynamics would work. And then, uh, you know, then it's up to us or you to make that happen if you're the one really seeking capital and looking to do that. So just I think it also depends how much I'm actively involved in making sort of operational decisions if I have to or I'm you know, I come in in that sort of context. So, makes sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes great sense. It makes great yeah. sense. You know, one of my um, favorite um, finance professors used to always say a couple of things. Well, one, he always said, of course, something you alluded to, Mark, that the uh, investment is the discipline of relative selection. Right? Hmm. I think about that all the time. Because mm-hmm. all that you have is the opportunity set before you. I guess you could mm-hmm. wait and see if the future opportunity set improves. But mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you really do have to make a choice among what you're given. Um, the discipline of making that relative selection. Um, but then he would always ask this question, you know, when we uh, had done our research, who doesn't know that, right? You know, what's the what's the uncommon knowledge in any given situation that can drive a better result or unlock some hidden value? Do you find that uh, as a question you ask yourself or is there Mm -hmm. some, some um, other test you normally think of when you're looking at Um, a sideways view of it? Sorry. Could you say that? The last part again. I said, is there some way that you um, process the information or questions you ask yourself that gives you perhaps a different view of it than just uh, the regular? Just a regular view, and I, I think, and I think that's what's unique about you know smaller deals is that there's always it's more complex. That that was the thing I found surprising compared to larger deals, which may have more details that sort of fit up into it. There's a a you know, the complexity of bringing together a team and creating a project from nothing, I think, is is really, I think, the first thing. And then 
and so I, I'm looking at kind of what's that, the, that combination of what's possible to what's practical and what can you really execute on? What, what can you really do? And I think, um, I really like, I really like how he put that right. Relative, you know, relative selection, right. That's what you said is that relative selection. Yeah. Yeah. Relative selection. And, and, I, I say, I don't, do I know enough to make a decision? That was a big shift for me was I think when you come from larger companies, you think, okay, I have to have all the information to make a decision. The key is not, do I have all the information? Do I have enough information to make a decision? And then as I've gone further, then I have had more and more experience and knowledge in certain areas that I say, okay, I have enough to make it here or I don't and I need to wait. And I think that's, that's really a judgment call to really say, you know, what are those, those key elements that I need to, to move forward and to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to do a transaction. I'm ready to complete and do more and, and, and move it forward. And I think, I think the, the biggest challenge that in that, in that context and put it that way is that most small companies never make it to a large company because they never develop into an operating company. So this transition from an idea with resources to something that's operating and that then the resources are sort of a support and not necessarily as vital to the forward momentum of that company, I think, I think that's what the transition has to occur. So I, that's a big thing that I'm always looking for. I'm saying, great, we put the money, we like the idea, it looks like it's great, it looks like a good team, but are we able to sort of create responsibility and trust and, and honesty around this, this way we're dealing with each other such that now truth can find its way through, right? And that we can push into the idea so and that we can find the wall around the idea of what the capacity it is, how we get there, how we get to the next level with the idea, how do we stop this idea that, okay, great, now we're safe. Because I don't think you're ever really truly safe. I think it's just relative selection and then discipline around risk and understanding risk and understanding, okay, what's a risk to me might not be a risk to you and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. You know, Mark, as much time as I spent with you, I still don't completely understand your mental model around the investment. <laughs> I'm starting to get a little really? bit of a glimpse. Yeah, I'm starting to get a little bit yeah. of a glimpse. I know you go deep on everything. If somebody still asked me today, I would say Mark, Mark tends to just gather as much information as he possibly can. And at some point, he'll confirm your story or he'll, or he'll say that you're missing a part of the story. And when he can when he can draw the line from A to Z in his mind, then he can write you a check. And if he can't, he can't. Um, but, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it's partly through, you know, FBI style interrogation that looks a lot nicer. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually <laughs> a fair way to say it or not. <laughs> but I, I appreciate the fact you always ask lots of questions. How would you describe your style? Just at a higher yeah, level I, there. I I would describe my style, and I and it's it's interesting, right? You know how other people interpret you versus, you know, right? How do you how do you interpret yourself? And and I I see it as I'm just I'm seeking out the truth, and anything that is 
is ancillary to that truth or that is not vital to the success of that truth, then we have to get rid of that because we're not, we're not, we're not, we're doing ourselves a disservice. I think, I think that's the, the, um, the main thing that I'm always trying to get to is what's the core of this, right? So can I touch it? Can I feel it? Can I, is it, is it there? And if it's not there, I feel like there's nothing there. And that's what I think I've, I've learned with a number of, of deals that you'll see is that there's, there's a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement and all that stuff. But if you get beneath the surface, just like there's nothing here. And so it, you know, and I think we've all participated in the ones that you think, oh, they're going to go great. And then, and that's the reason why. And I think you learn that uh, from some experience of doing them that you, you know, thought, and, and I learned that a lot with M&A work. Like I used to say, anything that could kill a deal will. And I mean, you think it was, you know, everything was going great. And then, you know, there's a, there's a, a guy in the factory and something happens with his family and then he quits. And, you know, the, the, the hour, the, week to the deal and then you think it's completing this transaction is going to complete and then and and you know if you're the one working on it you didn't even know that guy it's like wow this these things come up that you you don't really know about and so um so yes i mean even though what what i what i'd like to do i i'd like to make deal making so simple and so easy that it, it's like, okay, everyone can sort of follow this pattern, right? And everyone can say, okay, go step one, this happens, step two, step three. But I think it's hard to do that, particularly when you do multiple industries, because I'm looking at all, how all this information fits in. And so you're right, I'm, I'm in the beginning, I'm just collecting as much as I can within the context of what's, you know, reasonable to deal with um, somebody on their on what they're raising money for but i i find people oftentimes go too fast to raise money they say okay wow wow this is great great i love the idea people idea oriented people and they said great we got to go do it and then wow there's nothing there's nothing beneath that there's no core model really built they they think they put together enough of a model that someone can really put some money behind the idea or something like that and then when reality is we have to now that's just the first step so i think sometimes the process that people go and decide to make an investment decision particularly in smaller deals where you know the players and the people that it's it's a it's not thorough enough currently it's sort of a shoot from the hip hey i like you let's do this and all that kind of stuff and so i think there's more of a science to it than than we we realize and so for me i'm trying to get closer and closer to that science. And I want to find uh, the, the right sort of way to be so that, you know, it's timely and we can act on the information. You know, I think you, we can get as much now in this data centric world brand that we can get so much information about something and still never make a decision. I don't think that we want to strike for that, but I also think we need far more than we're getting. And I think that there's a, a need that, we say, okay, we don't know, we don't know enough. Great, let's act. And I say, let's know enough to act. And that, and I think that's different um, for each person of knowing what that is. Like, say, if I had a ton of industry experience in something, and someone says, great, I, oh, wow, I can act much faster because I don't have to go and study all these things and learn all these things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chris, how would you describe your model? 
I don't know if you, I wonder if you can for mm -hmm. at least the private companies. I know public maybe is a whole other beast, but how would you describe it for the public companies or private companies? In the, um, in the public, no, not the public traded companies. No, no, please don't do that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be here till next right. year. <laughs> yeah. No, right. it's probably simpler right. than public that. Public company, a little um, bit of a beauty contest. That's no, <laughs> different. Uh, I, I know you read a lot of footnotes, and there's a lot, a bunch of different, and you write your own valuations for the public companies, but there's better information available. Talk, talk to me mm -hmm. a little bit more about some of your decision-making process for the private companies. I'm just kind of, I'm trying to compare a little bit of both of how you look at it because um, there are very few people who I meet who I think, oh, I really like their process. There are plenty of people who I meet who are successful um, and they have a methodology, but very rarely do I say, wow. And I definitely get that impression when I sit with both of you. That, that's the okay. question to compare in my mind a little bit. Yeah, I've um, it, different from what Mark's been doing, um, you know, I'm always looking to unlock or try to find some hidden value. So one of the questions, and I even alluded to it earlier, that I'm always asking myself is, who doesn't know this? Who doesn't know this? Because most people play in my industry, they play the common knowledge game. You know, everyone knows Amazon's revenue is going through the roof. They keep growing, growing, growing. So everyone lines up to buy. They're not looking at, you know, any second level or third level thinking. So I'm really always, when I discover a new fact or I'm coming across a footnote or I'm learning something, I'm asking myself, really, what does it mean? Is there second or third level thinking I should apply and who doesn't know this? You know, how, um, how valuable is this information? Um, and that's really um, what kind of drives me to, in some ways, I guess, the similar conclusions to you. Do I have enough information to make a good decision um, if I can figure out what the most valuable pieces of data are that will give me information? Because, again, data and information are not the same. And like you said, Mark, we're just deluged with data now. <laughs> I think, actually, it makes um, real information in many ways harder to find, like a needle in the haystack, which... Um, can be to our advantage um, in investing. <clears throat> so really kind of creating the right model, depending on the industry I'm looking at, to sift through and weigh the information appropriately and um, see what makes sense. And can I cobble together something that appears like a reasonable value conservatively for um, the investment I want to make? And then at last, at the very end, reference the price. <laughs> see if I'm close or far off, or if there's value to be had. So yeah, I think that's a that's a great point because you want to. That's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to reconcile all of this that I'm getting is 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 value price or is it greater or lesser than price? Right. So what a value investor would look at, and and I think we can apply that to nearly anything, right? So we can say, is this what it seems like, or is it something different than what it seems like? And I think there's, like you say, a beauty contest. We start to lose that side of, well, what's really going on with this? And we've got to know that, right? I think. Yeah. I think if we're going to yeah. do it and we're going to say, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right, if we're going to be good at it, we're going to say we're going to always 
always be right, but we're going to shoot to be right, then then there has to be some paradigm which which moves with it, right? That we can say, um, you know, is this does this make sense, right? Does this is it? Does the data make sense? Is it all of it? Does this piece? Is that piece? Uh, you know, that, that's the p- thing I'm always saying. Is that is that is that what well, this doesn't match up with that? Why? Well, we, you know, and, and we got to get it right. And so I'm, I get. <laughs> Oh, you've got to know this, right? That's what I, 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 I get with companies. So, like, you, you should know this, right? So It's interesting. I think, and I've never tried to describe the way, you know, the, the set of internal thoughts I have about something, but I'll try and describe it after hearing the two of you. I try and have a number of uh, theses, if you will, if that is, a, is that the correct word? Theses in mind. Theses is at the same time. Uh, about a bunch of different fields um, within biology, we'll say, because I look for my devices. And I try and say, okay, can I invest in the last moment before a major value inflection point? Um, And the signs of a major value inflection point are, there are other big companies snooping around, Um, right? There's been a lot of money already in the company there. They're past a prototype. Um, so my, mine's very different, right? And then can I expand the value even further and protect my downside um, by filing a lot of IP around it? So it's interesting. I think mine's a little more simpler. Both of yours are a little broader, maybe because you've invested in a lot more things um, over hmm. a larger amount of time than me. But, yeah, well, I, yeah. I think that, you know, what... Uh, well, you're saying that I had a I had a good business school professor, this um, this uh, woman professor that was at uh, when I went to Boston College, and she and I forget her name, so I'd like to reference her. But she said, remember, and it was a, she taught a class in corporate um, finance, and she and someone said, when you know, do you, what do you think of this stock, or what do you think of that stock, and and she says, well, my grandmother starts asking me about a stock, I know I shouldn't be investing in that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was thinking, I wonder, <laughs> and I, you know, it took me a long time, like, to figure this out. Like, it, like years later, I was like, and it just, like, it's one of the things, like, people say, you know, like, in passing, and then you're like, that was so wise. And I was she talking about her grandmother, she was talking, I think she was talking about her grandmother. And, and that's how I feel, like, about a lot of things. And it's kind of like, to Neil, to your point, that, you know, we're all sort of saying, okay, here's this idea, right? And then here's an idea, and it sort of finds its way out into the world, and what can we act on, right? And then, mm-hmm. and I think there, you know, is there a first mover advantage, or is there some special knowledge, like uh, like you would say, is that, would you get to this point that, okay, wow, we're we're further ahead of the curve, because I think that's that's the key thing. I'm all, in terms of timing, right? Market timing, that kind of thing. I think it's really difficult to time the market, but I think you can say, where am I at in that? Am I ahead of the curve or am I behind the curve? And then, and in some cases, it may be advantageous to be, you know, right at the curve, right? So I just don't, I don't always know, but I, I think that's a very important thing you have to figure out because if you're the the last to the game to make something and uh and that's a big thing i i've been doing more and more these days because 
you know, people come to me with so many different deals and markets and they say, oh, see, this is how the market works. And I started, started going, you know what, we need to verify who the, how this person thinks about the market, right? Because if I'm getting all my information <laughs> right. on what you think the market is, <laughs> and you don't even know the market, and that's what I think happens. People put together this presentation and they say, oh, this is how the so-and-so, you know, this is exactly what's going to happen. And it's like, you might not even understand it well, but you understand your corner of it. Right. And so I think that's why it takes all these different sets of skills and conversations and people and, you know, friends and people who are looking at things that you're not looking at. Right. That's the thing that yeah. I think is very important. Mm-hmm. Mark, you know, and, and, and same question for Chris. Both of you are, are deep meditators. I, I'm curious a little bit about, you know, Chris, we've talked a little bit about your process of, of how you make investments and how meditation plays a, a crucial role in that. I, I'm, I'm curious about how that affects you, Mark. Um, both, you know, I, I guess Chris is a yogi and you're a Tai Chi. Uh, I don't know what the word for Tai Chi yogi is, but a Tai Chi tai master, chi. You're, uh, <laughs> Tai Chi student. Um, both, mm-hmm. you know, have deep practices of meditation and mm-hmm. uh, finding self-awareness. Um, you, you, how does that play into your process before you make, into, make an investment? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And I, I love talking about it, but it's funny how in the world I'm in, I feel like I'm in two worlds, right? And and the friends I have that are in sort of spiritual practice, and then there's and then there's this, all this investment world-type related stuff. And, and, um, oh, a and lot of just, mindful behavior in the investment world. Yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of mindful behavior. It's, it's very... Um, you know, first chakra, right? Is like we, we've got to get, we've got to get this now. And if I don't get this now, all is lost. <laughs> and, you know, what? <laughs> so, so, so I, I tend to think, you know. So I find they're they're not that different, but but I think most people you meet, they think they're very different. And so, uh, to me, it's sort of a it adds to the way I, I look at the world. And so, so I tend to find if I'm more relaxed about something, I make better decisions. If I, if I, if I deeply understand. So I, I tend to find a, it's always good to sort of wait enough on information. And that's what happened to me. I wake up and then I'll have these sort of, I call them blinding flashes of insight where you go, Oh, that's it. And so that's what, what I usually get when I, what sometimes that happens and I can do it pretty fast and I meet someone and they show me what they're working on. And then, you know, in the next meeting, they're like, who are you? And it's like, I just had all of this information. I'm just, just the guy <laughs> who sleeps with my work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And you'll get that. You like, you go to sleep and then you, like, oh, okay, oh yeah. And I'll, I'll have that. And it's not something you're sort of pining on and you're analyzing to death. Cause I, I, I you know, when I started off doing a lot of this work, I was doing a lot of mod, I was doing a lot of that and I'm, I orientate to it that way. Analysis and all this, all this type of thing. But I also realized the limitations of that because I think we can get, caught up in in the data i think we have to have that sea of data and and uh, like chris was saying you got to have this information that that makes sense right and so you have to have information data but then when you bring it all together and i think that's you know the look at the world from a sort of a meditative mindful look at the world we say ah is that is that truly do all these pieces fit in and that's what 
for me, it's it to be reflective and to continually let that sift through. And that's when I, I have most of my insights about things. And so I think there's, there's sometimes this need to get something to market and quickly, you know, fit the market, the timing of the world we live in that we oftentimes are not looking at really what's there right, right in front of us. And that's for me is what, you know, all these practices, spiritual practice and related spiritual practice are doing for us. They give us this ability to, to sort of sift with our thoughts and, and not act on those thoughts and feel like we don't have to go, 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 go to now we have to do this. And, and, and so I think it's a balance because when you live in the world, right, you, you do want to act on the world, but I also think we could kind of, we combine them both. So I find the more I, my practice is good, the more I'm very clear when I get something, I'm very clear. There's like, but if I'm, if I have too many things going on and it's, and, and I'm not taking that time for clarity, then it's, you know, they're, they're not as good decisions or I, they're information I should have been looking for looking at, but I didn't. Right. Chris with, um, hopefully more sound effects than Mark. Can you, can you take us through your process? <laughs> <laughs> sound effects. We have to have sound. Yeah. When you, when you do this uh, remotely, right. It's like, are they still listening? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, um, because I, I'm betting it's being refined too over time still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't disagree with anything Mark said. If there's any um, time to be mindful, if anyone's going to make decisions, it should be a mindful person, <laughs> especially an mm-hmm. important decision um, mm-hmm. about allocating capital. I um, I do um, think my my practice helps me to see very clearly um, even my own obstacles and shortcomings. So. Um, you know, what is it that I fear? Um, what is it that I fear could go wrong in the deal? What do I feel the constituents, all the different parties involved in a particular um, company investment deal? Um, what would um, what are they all searching for? What do they want? Um, do these pieces make sense? All those same questions. And um, if I can slow down and um, deepen my thinking, it really helps me. It's like um, um, putting the crucible into the fire, right? <laughs> Burnishing mm-hmm. the idea fully and, and really getting rid of the slack um, and thinking about it um, is in stillness. I can't do it any other way. I wouldn't feel that my decisions had the weight that they have if I um, didn't use the meditative tools I have to come to some final grasp of the information, the data, and the final decisions before me. Yeah, I think that's that's really well said. Yeah, it, I think you just you have to let it sift through. And if there's no mechanism for it to sift through, and then we just sort of acting and acting and acting, like I think what, one thing I exercise I like to do is that is just you know what is it it's not a, you know uh, there's so many different ways to think apply spiritual practice but you know say non-attachment right well I think people 
in the beginning phases of a company, they're so impassioned with an idea and what they believe in and what can happen. And, you know, I, I just want to do this and this, this makes sense. And, you know, but, you know, there's such an attachment to the result of it that, that will it, will it ever retain it? Will it ever get there at all when you're sort of enamored by all of those things? And, and it's not that you don't want to have lack of passion. It's just that you want to have measured passion, sort of realistic passion, right? And that's, that's a thing that I think is, is really interesting to know. And it's, it, and, and I, you know, I think a good example is that you go to watch like Shark Tank, right? You know, they, it's so interesting. I have all these popular shows around this and, and, uh, and Shark Tank, and then somebody comes on and it's like, you know, these are my, you know, my mother's cookies. I love my mother's cookies. <laughs> Secret you know, recipe. You'll see what, your recipe, the famous recipe. And, you know, and it's like, you know, you, they they get out there and they really ready to use the passion and the brand and, you know, and then they come up with a cool brand and the designer and, you know, all this thing. And it's like, you may have cared about your mother's cookies, but no one else could have. Like, your mother could have been bad at making cookies, right? Hopefully not. But it, <laughs> it, 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 and Chris, I think he's talking to you. That's one of the funny things about it. What, what's that? I said, Chris, I think he's talking to you. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying I'm sure your mother has cookies. My mom's cookies are great, Mark. What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? These are my cookies. And, and this is all and leading up. You know, I, I'm so glad you brought that up, Mark. This is all leading to a pitch. You know, Chris really wants to talk to you about his mother's cookies. And since you invested in well, it, it, well, and I find, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I say. When people come to me with, you know, friends or, you know, we not not with friends or you know people new acquaintances or something. They say, oh, I just I really want to make this happen. This is my, you know, I, you know, I have this idea. I want to like start a business. I say, don't do it. And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, you invest in all this stuff and do this. And I said, I say, I say, okay, if you're gonna do it, do it right. Get the right people. Do it. Put the passion in it, but be measured about it. Be, be. Be thoughtful about it. Be mindful about it. Don't just throw it together and just think it. Ah, oh, it's going to work, because that's the thing. That's the thing that you see. I think a lot on those shows because they really play to the audience around that, right? And they, it's like, okay, it makes for good entertainment. It's like, okay, I want to. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. And 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 you love that passion. I just say, how do we refine that? How do we make that? something really great and that's that's to me what we're trying to do and that's to me the hard thing to do and it's um yeah, that, that's, I've that's always the, mark the thought of it in a way um of when you mentioned non-attachment i really that strikes me very strongly mm-hmm. because i i try to make sure i'm am i um am i attached to the outcome and I, I would mm-hmm. imagine you feel this more when people are coming to you to pitch an idea. Are they attached mm-hmm. to the specific outcome or are they attached or, or passionate about the process of building something, you know, mm-hmm. something unique, something that will have, you know, there will be some fruit at the end of the branch, but um, you can't jump the shark, right? You can't get there too quickly mm-hmm. or be so, so attached to the outcome, you become another Theranos 
where you're you know, <laughs> right. guilty of fraud to generate that. <laughs> you, yes, the outcomes yeah. are here. <laughs> we made them up. Yes. We got yes. the result I, we wanted. <laughs> yeah, so does the end justify the means, right? And so I think there yeah. was some thinking, right, that that if if we get there at all costs, if we if we create all these problems, right, all this chaos, it was sort of worth it. And then and my answer, I, I don't think it is. I think that you know, there's, you're right, is that is this this journey, it's a journey, right? It's a process. And so that's what You just say that because you're not the founder of Uber. Well, uh, yeah, and it was there. there funny, fun, fun. What happened to that guy? Right, he got. He got. Good, 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 there you go, Neil. His, he, he, that guy. That guy got so. He got so enamored, and then he was just like, "Do you know who I am? Do I know who, who I am?" And then you know, then and and, 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 it, and eventually, it's like it's like a little bit like the Hollywood uh, thing, where it's like you get the star actress and then she's you know wasn't as well known and then she becomes well known and and then she becomes so hard to deal with and all these requirements and all these demands Mark, this is and, not an episode and, about your prior relationships i just want to point that out um, i know i know i know but you know hey we learn from those relationships so 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 in, in that situation allow me to shift gears a little bit actually let me try and shift gears a little bit um I'm kind of yeah. curious because both of you invest in the public markets um, mm -hmm. personally and, and uh, one of you for, for your day job, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> um, you know, Chris, I constantly ask you, um, when, when, when's the market going to crash? But today I'm going to try and qualify it. And, and Mark, uh, I want your prediction first. Um, mm -hmm. When will the market, when will the, the Dow fall in half? When will the NASDAQ fall in half? and stay that way for a month. How, how far away are we from that? Mark, Mark first. Me first. Um, and your opinion, no, knowing that you're not. Yeah, well, I, okay, and I, I'll give you a little, you know, how I look at the market, right, in general. And what I think has happened is we've, we've kept this line with what are private companies and small companies and what is the greater market. And to me, it's all related. So. We're all in this huge ecosystem, and I think that uh, we have to really pay attention to that. And so that's what I think we're in this transformative time that I think is occurring. And what's we're in this interesting period in this year, particularly, I think everything's kind of evened out a little bit. And then I think there's going to be a real flight to value. I think I think we're going to see it towards the end of the year, the beginning of next. And people are going to say, well, what's in this? You know, Uber, you know, aside from the personalities and, you know, what happens in a, that kind of context, I think that we're going to start looking at what's really, what are really in these companies? What, you know, are they really have, they really have this they sort of. They should have raised more money in that, in that one round for, for uh, the flying car, right? I mean, I think 250 yeah. was not enough. In that round, not enough. Time. I mean, this this, <laughs> this this engine of, and then and then I think what's the benefit to society? So I think we have to look at that as the economy. We say, what's the market, and you know, where is it going, and and what's that mean? We have to also look at society too, right? So I think I think economy, and when, and so your question is, when does the Dow get in half? And I'd say, what's the value underlying the half? So. That's how I, I really answer that question. I don't, I still think we're not going to probably see that, you know, 
new companies come to the Dow and new ones lop off. But right now we have a large proportion of technology companies in in the Dow, and that's and that's increased in the last ten twenty years. And so I think I think what we'll uh, we'll see, you know, but what what would happen if if the Dow was cut in half is one thing. Um, but I I don't know if we're going to ever see the Dow cut in half. I think the way we define it is going to change, and I think we're, that's what we're in the midst of in the despite the value. So that's that would be my initial answer. What about you, Chris? Uh, mine is simpler. I don't know. <laughs> Good answer. No, Chris, I'm holding a gun to your head right now. In order to live, you just have to make a guess. You're holding a gun to my head. And all and all you have to do to to live is guess. What's your guess okay. today? Knowing. Knowing that tomorrow will bring more information. The future is unknown to me um, and all of us. It's a matter of conjecture. I hope somewhat informed conjecture, but it's a, you know, there are many factors at play. The, The large ecosystem that you mentioned, Mark, is certainly the, is certainly true. Um, Investors have been driving up stock prices, including corporations themselves. Um, because of a lack of suitable alternatives. It's also driven more money into private equity and into um, um, venture capital than we've seen prior. Again, um, as people search for for viable alternatives and also struggle to get higher up the capital stack um, to better protect themselves. One of the main drivers, I think, has been, and this is really where I, I um, have to, to display my ignorance. I, I would have thought that the credit cycle um, would have turned from expansion to contraction many moons ago, even at the time of 2008 and the Great Recession. Those were big warning flares that, um, you know, the collateral upon which we're building this credit doesn't always seem to be there. <laughs> it's not all it's cracked up to be. When you mentioned, you know, a company like Uber, what's that? Uh, where's the real value? What's the that core, that kernel of value, and what's the proposition? And how does this uh, advance civilization or society? Or is it of what use? I think you're right. In many fronts, we're going to reevaluate, or at that at the point of reevaluating, what are these things really worth? Um, that'll come become more stark as um, the cost of credit rises. And that's been happening slowly. And um, I also see, too, with cryptocurrencies, Neil, to, to flatter you and your earlier question. <laughs> you know, um, I, this is not what I invest in. I'm just kind of curious always. So, my, No, but, but my Charles Kinzelberger, who did a lot of studies on manias, panics, crashes, um, and r- has written several books about them. Um, he always talked about the delusive object, he called it. The delusive object was something that seems unrelated to um, speculation or a speculative frenzy, but was in a way um, it allowed people to vent their own speculative energies. I think cryptocurrencies have allowed that where if we really look at the stock market over the last year, it does seem to have the qualities of a melt-up. You know, um, a 20% run-up in the 
in the S and P and the and the Dow respectively, um, really on on modest growth, if that. And it um, it does have an eerie feeling. And then when you couple that with the idea that there was this these there were these delusive objects they're still around <laughs> all of the cryptocurrencies these coins where you really don't own anything no claim on the technology no claim on on um on anything that i can really put my finger on as having uh, lasting value that uh, all seems to conform to what kindleberger warned about um could we be in the late stages of a mania or in a blow-off? I don't know. Um, that's a question I do have um, in the back of my mind as I watch this. And the Fed and the central banks, uh, both in Europe and here at least, these two, um, have now changed. This is no longer a coordinated effort among all central banks to keep expanding credit. And that is a really uh, big difference from the platform we've had for the last nine years. So the qualitative tightening, I guess you would say, rather than qualitative easing, is happening in Europe, and it's certainly happening here. Um, and the Fed seems not to be blinking. So um, if they really don't blink, at least immediately, and the cost of borrowing continues to rise, I think that could be a dagger into the heart of not the markets per se, but the way we value them. And ultimately, probably, equity prices, publicly traded equities, certainly. So. Yeah. Well said. I don't yeah, know. I think, I think <laughs> yeah, I think, wow. Well said. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think it's really hard to get to the precision on, right? So it's like, we know these trends, that's what I look at. It's like, okay, what does this trend feel like? And then when they will at the end, when are we at the edge of that trend? When is that trend? And that's, that's all I can say. Cause it's, it is, it's really hard to be, you know, it's predictive about all of this because you could say right. if I had every piece of information, right? That's, that's the, that's the central question, but every piece of information of what is all this data pointing to, where does that then lead? And I think it's really hard for any one person to have that. Yeah. Let's, let's call our friends at the CIA. See if they can answer this question. Yeah, right. Or, or Facebook. So the line what, is, it's what, a, you what's know, the difference? Facebook did, um, what's the did, difference? did what the CIA tried to do, and they did it in, ten, in like two years. So <laughs> got every, every available thing about a person you could get. So. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not sure so whether we, this um, – go ahead. So I was just going to say, you know, we had this, uh, yeah, all these signs that point to, um, you know, possibly a near-term top in the market seem to be there. Um, Neil, do you know what the delusive object was during the dot-com era? I have the slightest idea. It was Beanie Babies. It was. If you look back <laughs> and saw that how high those things traded, you would be quite amazed. No, I remember thinking like reading or something. No, you're not like kidding. That. Some of them got to a couple thousand I was dollars. I'm not kidding. That was the delusive object. They were, they were, there was a, a massive amount of trading in Beanie Babies. So right when the dot com crash. So when something of sort of non-inherent value becomes so 
valuable that people are sort of bidding up the price, right? This is his point, right? Is this delusion sets in and mania and euphoria and all that kind of stuff, right? I think, Mark, it's kind of like it's in the collective consciousness, you know? Uh, okay. um, you know, that kind of idea where you see people getting rich or speculating in the stock market, for example, but very, really not that many people have exposure to publicly traded markets, to equities, to stock. Um, Beanie Babies are available to everyone. And in the same way, around the globe, um, these cryptocurrencies are available for everyone to trade. (laughs) The Wild West. Yeah, kind of captures that collective consciousness, that spirit of speculation to a certain spirit extent. of speculation. And it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon to watch. And I, I always remind myself of that statement by my uh, business school professor. And it's like, you know, when my grandmother starts asking me about cryptocurrencies, like you could say that about pretty much anything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, that happened. I was in the like, Tai Chi class of the day. And one of the students said, said, um, Mark, you're in finance. Well, what do you think about cryptocurrency? Like, oh, great, here we go. And, 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 and it just it, it hits me because then I just say, oh, ugh. and it, it. I mean, there's there's some benefits. I think it's an interesting thing is just what's happening with banks in general, what's happening with the the cryptocurrency. But what I think the cryptocurrency is giving this sort of view that this is the answer. We're going to find our way away from all of this. And, and, and the mania and euphoria around it all is, is really kind of unsettling to me. I think that, um, you know, I had a friend of mine call me and he said, I did, I went on Coinbase and I, I bought this, this, uh, bought this cryptocurrency. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta check it out. You gotta check it out. And then within like a week or three days or something, he was all depressed. I said, well, what happened is, well, the site's been down for like four days. And I said, <laughs> and, and I said what? And, and then and in case anybody from Coinbase is, watch, is listening, I don't know if that was on Coinbase. So it might have been, um, uh, been from another, another wow, uh, God, trading the one that went away. <laughs> with, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there have been several that have uh, – Shut their door. Yeah. And, and that's scary, right? I mean, you say, okay, you put your money in something, and I think that can happen with any investment. But that's what's that's what to me we have to have greater and greater faith in and and the structure of the financial system, right? That okay, what I'm trading is there's some honesty in the system. That what I'm paying for is what I'm getting, or or some relative determination on what that value is. But if, if I don't have that and I don't know what I'm getting and I don't, you know, that that's leads to advantage, which is also what economy is or opportunity. Right. And then, but if I think it becomes so great that then we don't have any, any structure from what we're dealing with each other, then it becomes so ungrounded. And that, and that's what I'm sensing a bit on this, this cryptocurrency thing. But I think, I don't know. It's giving people some hope, but in a very strange way. That's so. Mark's way of saying bye, 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 in case you're a curious audience. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sign, Mark. Like, oh, please don't say that. <laughs> well, it, it, it's at the same time, I, I marvel at it. You know, and, and there's a lot of people talking about, right, the... Um, the, the you know blockchain and the and uh, and you read about it, and so certain people say uh, 
well, blockchain is really, you know, talk to technology people and they say, oh, blockchain is great because you can see what happens in a transaction and who had a hand in creating that transaction and there's less chances of fraud and all this related type type look at a transaction. And, and so it's interesting, certain companies are getting involved in on the technology side and banks are saying, well, now, now we, we've always shunned the cryptocurrencies, but we're okay with blockchain. And, you know, so it, it there's such a, I don't think, I don't think that it's yet to be answered about all of this. I think there's more to come with all of this, but I think there's a lot of euphoria and mania around it that is, um, somewhat unfounded, but then, uh, you know, the, a lot of people made money off of Bitcoin and it's just, it's so interesting how it just gets going and people get so excited. It's interesting to me, any of these types of things that are like this, that, that people, and, and I, and I have a friend that has, uh, the, uh, the license for the state of Washington for, for an ATM cryptocurrency ATMs. And he came to me, I don't know, four or five years ago and said, oh, this is going to take off Bitcoin. Oh, you've got it. You've, you know, and, I, and as a general rule, that attitude about anything uh, is not as I'm just more cautious of it. And, and right. when it first came out, really, why? Why should I? Yeah, a lot of a lot of red flags are going, woo, you know, like <laughs> blood red. You just right. don't. Right. But I'm like, okay, you're going to be fine, man. Like, why, why does anybody need to do anything like this? And so, um, and so there's a lot of that around it, the energy around it. And, and, um, at the time I remember saying, you know, I really don't like being part of a currency that is not backed by a government. I mean, that's, you know, due process of law, that kind of thing. You're, so you're I think, clearly not a technologist. All the technologists in Silicon Valley are saying it's good because it's not near. Never mind. Let us not go down this path. We've, yeah, we've, we've covered mean, cryptocurrency radical, today because right? you could go. We, you could go. One group's like, okay, it goes. We checked the box today, Mark. We're good on cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, Look, right. um, good. You know, Mark. I, I wonder if we end this way with you. Um, is there a single question that you might ask both Chris and I that just might give you good food for thought as you're you're traveling here in the next couple of days? Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good question. Yeah, so I guess you know you've asked I mean, Neil, you've asked some great questions. So I'm I'm wondering what would be a good you know stump you question um, <laughs> or a broad you know a broad question. Spell would potato. Be, uh, <laughs> you, know, you've, you know, we we asked Chris about the market. I'm curious. You know, some of the healthcare related stuff. I think that's a yeah, to me, that's an industry that needs a lot of revamping in certain areas, but it's also making some great strides in other areas. So, you know, if you could speak, both speak to that and your your own thoughts about that and you know, the world we're in today and where things are moving, and uh, I think that would be that would be great. <laughs> Way to ask a really easy question to end the podcast, Mark. I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, we, you know, we could do the controversial questions, right? No, you no, know, no, like, no. This you know, is good. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> Uber, you know, the the um, you know, what about the Uber? Somebody called me from Orange County and said, "This is the Uber for healthcare," and I'm like, "Oh, great! What does that mean?" Hang up and click and <laughs> dial tone. Yeah, hang up. Heard from please, me. <laughs> please, you called the wrong number. It's not. <laughs> not, <laughs> you're looking for your father, not me. So, um, so Chris, I, I, you want to yeah, go first? I mean, we, 
tackle yeah. uh, where you see the healthcare market going? You can say no, Chris. You can decline the question. You're under no obligation to answer. Where I see the healthcare market going? Yeah, I, I didn't that's know you guess. were pitching the ball to me. I'm sorry. I fumbled. You know, I, I, gotta, I, gotta say, I gotta say, guys, I, I, I gotta say, like, you'd think it's such a simple question because it's such a vast industry that covers, you know, what, you know, pharma, insurance, hospitals, doctors, yeah. <laughs> all of it. And, and I thought, okay, pick one. But instead, it's like it is a stump your question. I'll try, actually. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll kind of adapt the question a little bit. I've been getting a lot more questions about the Buffett-Bezos collaboration and how that's going to affect the overall healthcare market um, and, and what it's going to do. And I, I think in the United States, at least, we're going to start to see a precursor to slightly better healthcare uh, because they're going to be more willing to bring diagnostics and treatments to market um, that are focused solely on making people better. And so they're not going to be as afraid to mix Eastern and Western if the statistics make it um, uh, you know, a higher likelihood of healing quicker for a patient. You're going to see them say, let's try more of these other procedures that, you know, is only being tried in Switzerland if, you know, since they're going to be the ones who are, are in control of coverage. Um, I don't think it's going to change, you know, all of America. I think it's going to start to change um, tens of millions of lives uh, in slow progression. Um, so, you know, I, I guess the healthcare market, when you're asking about it, but the, the first thing I have to say is it's slow, right? Um, from, and, and that's because maybe we as humanity are slow to change and adopt and adapt as well. Um, I, does that start to give you a little color on, on some of what I'm thinking about? Yeah, yeah, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's, that's been a thing for me to invest in healthcare. You look at and it just seems, okay, this one thing could work. And oh, but how does that thing work with? relationship to that. So some of my methods and models and stuff like that, it's, it's harder to apply to healthcare because you, I think you have to really know sort of key areas and a lot of knowledge and experts in that area. And so, so yeah, it's a, it's a question I have and I've had for a while about healthcare in general. It's just where do we think it's all going and what's the best way to play a part in all of that? It's just, it's not easy to change unless you're using Cambridge Analytica to try and win an election or exit, a, you know, a union. <laughs> it's, it's not so easy to change the mind <laughs> of, of something that people think is so core fundamentally uh, done by employment today, right? So how is it you get everybody to change their mind on, on how something has worked for the last hundred years and has lots of entrenched players with um, lots of layers. One of the things that, you know, I don't know if, we, if we've talked about this as a metric for the stuff we invest in. Um, we, we have kind of two simple questions we don't talk about much. Um, first, when I'm talking to Eric and I, we say, is this a product we'd want our parents to use if they had to use it? Uh, so that's the first one. The second one is, if we were building a hospital from scratch and we didn't care about insurance, we only cared about outcome, right? Make, making the assumption that maybe insurance could implode 
um, at any moment. I, I don't think it will, but making the assumption it potentially would. Would this device still be of value, even if it didn't have the, the famed CPT code or reimbursement for insurance to start with? Would, would this something be something that we'd want to put in our own hospital? And if we can answer both of those questions for our parents, and yes, we'd want to put it in, in a hospital or we'd want to give it to consumers before they could get to a hospital, then we have a lot more interest. Um, we, we try and look at everything that can stand on its own with or without you know, an entire, entire ecosystem. Um, you know, distribution would be a whole other ballgame, but we're not trying to think about that when we just think about the device. So, 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 so um, uh, Chris, you can take this a number of different ways. Um, you want to try and <laughs> answer any part or grab onto any part of this vast question that Mark will be sleeping on? Yeah, or just tie it to cryptocurrency, like healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> some some ideas are best left not combined. That's the that's the, the lesson yeah. of that, right? Yeah, I've um, I often um, put investment ideas in the too tough basket, and this is one. Um, Often a lot of, uh, um, I can see your approach, Neil, and I'm in wholehearted agreement. I find just simply too often when people are discussing healthcare, they are speaking specifically to one aspect of it. And it's usually insurance. <laughs> That's what people are talking about. I, um, I don't know. I, I feel that that industry is so ripe for disruption. Um, and I see that the delivery of health care is being pushed further to the front lines, you know, to the Walgreens and the CVS, to the Teladocs. I think all of these things are um, very valuable um, and create greater efficiencies. But um, in a lot of the, the healthcare space, and certainly with um, insurances, reimbursements, etc. The entrenched interests make it very difficult for me to discern what um, good investment opportunities exist. So, I'll leave it to you, Neil, with the patents and the device makers <laughs> and your broad thinking. <laughs> well, well, and as you've seen too, it took me a number of years to develop um, the theses we have today. It was not. To, to get to the nuanced understanding of what we're thinking about literally take took two years full time just focused on it right even though we had a, a even though we were smart guys looking at a, a, a tough problem it, it's not quick yeah. yeah yeah i think i think that's one of the challenges i think with investment like okay so what's your time horizon right is it a year is it 10 years is it you know that's why i look at some of the farm cryptocurrency deal. quick it's my time yeah, well, there's, there's this there's this time horizon and you go yeah crypto we've got to we i only have a month we've got to make a billion dollars in a month and it's like wow you should have asked for two right i mean it's, 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 if, we, if we can't be successful is, with vinkle twins why are we here yeah i mean it's just a lot to a lot to accomplish, but I think, um, like you said, to have a really good, impactful idea, I think you need 
it needs time. It needs gestation. It needs to get to this level where you say, okay, great. We can really act on it and it's doable. And, and it, it really helps, you know, people and that's, you know, healthcare, we gotta, we gotta look at that, you know, how does it really impact patient care things like related to that? And so it's, uh, and, it, yeah, I, it's hard, I don't know how it's hard to track that balance. The, I don't know how you untangle the insurance elements. I mean, one thing that's always struck me is everyone complains about the healthcare system except the insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Right? They're yeah, they're like, okay, just ever. Yeah, yeah, they're they're like, okay, no, 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 we're just okay. We'll just we're we're here, you know. And right. Okay, premiums will go up thirty five percent. That's it. We're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. No, it's good. We'll just we'll just pass on those we'll pass on those those costs to the to to the. Well, no, and our values our, and uh, earnings will go up after we uh, after we pass Obamacare, right? Um, which is supposed to be universal health care. You know, some of some of what they have success with is baffling to the mind uh, to the same degree the central bankers make decisions. Well, and it's so vi- it's so vital, right? This this idea of healthcare. I think being in the United States, I mean, how do we not have such a great country that can provide all this health for you know citizens? And well, well, look, no, no, I I, I want to end on that note. We 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 live in a very great country and. Uh, mm-hmm. we're lucky to be able to have these debates uh, to some degree. Yes, I see truly. what else is going on in the world, and at least we can debate these issues and have a forum like this. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, exactly. Thanks mm-hmm. thanks for joining us today, Mark. Yes, Mark, thank you. Thanks for having really me on. Wonderful. I appreciate Yeah, great to meet you, uh, Chris, and um, look forward to continue the conversation soon. And, and um, Yeah, the next time you're in Pasadena, yeah, really, you should look up really Chris or I'm trying to drag him to Seattle, so uh, I will at some point. By summer, I'm sure I'll drag him to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, right. My time you is gotta, coming, yes. Yeah, your time is coming. Well, it's time to come up there. It's time to come up here. People are very, are very. Uh, you know, today we had sun for the first time in, in months, and everyone, it's like a whole other city. I, I, I don't know. I don't know quite what to do with myself. It's really exciting. So. <laughs> That's funny. Now you lived in, you spent, you said a lot of time in, in England. I had that experience in London too. The one sunny day, everyone was out. And this was when just nuts, was, right? like, you couldn't even walk. You've got to do it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's something to be said about that is, uh, wow, wow it's, it's so, we have been co- cooped up for so long and now we're going to get out and see the world. So, <laughs> Yeah. But Mark, thank you very much for sharing all your thoughts, your insights. It's been really uh, very informative. Thank you. It's been edifying thank you. for me thank for you. sure. And Chris, yeah. do you want to say bye to our, our, our audience and, and the show officially in some way? Well, it's been great to have you all listening in. I uh, hope it was as educational as it was for me. I don't know. You know, Neil sometimes is uh, more like a sponge and sometimes more like a hard coconut shell. I think he absorbed a lot, too. (laughs) But we all are glad that you've joined us. Thanks, and we'll be back again soon. Thanks.